We bless the name of the Lord. Amen. I will welcome guests right at the end of the service. Uh, but for now, let us go into God's word. Amen. We are looking at how to face setbacks in life, part two. How to face setbacks in life, part two. Amen? And before we read the scripture, last week we said that in the purposes of God, There is a place of prominence. There is a place of honor. There is a place of dignity. Where God desires to fulfill his promises in our lives. Amen? Such kind of a place does exist. And we started looking at the case study of the life of David. And by the way, after this, uh, I'm I'm starting a new series on how to start again in life. So after you have suffered setbacks, how do you start again? Okay. We thank God for Jesus. That's a setback. Amen. But we thank God. So we're looking at the life of David. And we saw last week that... David is minding his own business. He's in the bush taking care of the sheep. God speaks to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And he said, I want you to rise up. Go to the house of Jersey. And anoint a young man there whom I have chosen myself to be king over Israel. So Samuel comes over. And uh, cause the elders and they come together and he anoints David in the presence of his seven older brothers as well as his father Jesse. But God is doing this in the life of David even though David is the youngest of all. And I said God, the God that we serve. Is no respecter of persons. When he decides to bless somebody, when he decides to do a new thing in the life of somebody, he doesn't have to go and seek counsel. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that the day and the time when God is going to bless your life, that day is going to come. The devil can do nothing about it. Hallelujah. You will rise again in life. But immediately after that public anointing, battles follow. And David has the longest running battle in his life with a gentleman called King Saul. Until he comes to 1 Samuel chapter 27, when David decides, I have to flee to the land of the Philistines. And he flees to the land of the Philistines when Achish is the king of Gath. But Gath is the place where Goliath came from. And our famous song, thank you so much, Sister Mary. 
Some of you, you didn't see it. Okay, so our famous song is being sung all over Gath. And David comes there. And when David comes in, people say, isn't this the David they sang about? That he had killed tens of thousands, even though he had only killed one man called Goliath. But Akish is so kind to him. When God decides to do you good, sometimes he can use your enemies. Hallelujah. He can use your enemies. They can do you good. Hallelujah. So David is given Ziklag and the Bible tells us that from that moment when Akish gave David Ziklag, Ziklag has remained part of the land of the kings of Judah. So David stays there for 16 months. One year, four months. And life seems to be getting back to normal. Because they have run from cave to cave, city to city. Life has been hard. But now they have come to Ziklag. They have settled. They have built houses. They have once again livestock. And life is getting back to normal. At the point when life seems to be getting back to normal, he faces possibly and probably one of the biggest setbacks in his life. And I said, as God works with you, as God raises you up, you're going to face several challenges in life. You're going to face several situations in life that will try to push you down. And some of these situations, when they begin to push you down, You begin to believe and think you will never rise up again in life. But you will rise up again in life. Hallelujah. All we want to acknowledge and understand is that our lives will not always be smooth. Hallelujah. But the way you deal with your setbacks will determine how far you will rise in life. The path to greatness is most times plagued with setbacks, disappointments, trouble, and discouragements. So you can't avoid problems, but your attitude in the time of difficulty will reveal your true character. And we are looking at the seven lessons, and last week we looked at Three of those lessons. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David has been sent back from battle by the Philistines. And it's very interesting, as I will show you, that it is actually from this battle that King Saul was eventually killed. So David has been sent back. And it is an act of God. David is sent back. God realizes and knows King Saul is going to die from this battle. Jonathan is going to die from this battle. And remember, Jonathan is David's best friend. All the three older sons of Saul die from this battle. So they come into battle. And 
the Philistines say, you know what, send this man back. Lest we go into battle and he turns against us. And he finishes us off. So send him back. So Akish sends him back. And in verse 1 of chapter 30 of First Samuel. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and bent it with fire and had taken captive the men and those, the women and those who were there from small to great, they did not kill anyone. But carried them away and then went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreites and Abigail the wife of Nabar the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. A quick recap about last week's uh, key lessons. I said when you suffer a setback, Lesson number one in life. Don't pretend to be immune and act as if nothing has happened, as if nothing is happening, as if nothing is affecting you when you know it is affecting you. Don't pretend. Hallelujah. You look in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4. Mordecai hears the story of what Haman has planned. That is going to finish off all the Jews. Verse 1 of Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Some of you have never known a bitter cry before. But the Bible tells us Mordecai cried out loud and with a bitter cry. Hallelujah. He went as far as the front of the king's gate. For no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Mordecai cried. And the question is, when you suffered that last setback, did you take time to cry? Don't pretend. Cry. Because things have happened. Hallelujah. When you look at the life of Job, in Job chapter 1 verse 20, as soon as he hears the story of what has happened, the Bible tells us he had, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth. The Bible says, and he worshipped. But I can assure you, in that worship, there was crying. Number one. Lesson number one. Number two. Bear the burden of the people's frustration. 
Because when setbacks have happened, your family is frustrated. Your children are frustrated. Your wife is frustrated. Your husband is frustrated. Your nation is frustrated. Your company is frustrated. Your church is frustrated. At the end of the day, as a leader, bear the burden of the people's frustration. The Bible tells us that David, the people decided they were going to stone him. In Esther chapter 4, verse 16, after Esther tells Hatach, says, you go and tell Mordecai, the king, I don't know what's happening in my marriage. For 30 days, when you read Esther chapter 4, the king has not called for me. So for 30 solid days, even though she was the queen, the king had decided, I don't want to see my wife. You know what I mean. So she's, she's facing her own issues. And possibly she's crying. I don't know what's going on. And now Mordecai brings the story. But then later on, Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verse 15, he says, And Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But she is ready to bear the burden and the frustration of, the, of all the Jews. Because Mordecai tells him, you may not know. You may have come to the palace for such a time as this. And if you do not rise up, Esther, you have to understand and know that help for the Jews is going to come from elsewhere. Bear the burden of the people's frustration. And if you are not ready to bear the burden of the people's frustration, if you are not ready to bear the burden of your family's frustration, your business counterpart's frustration, your, your church's frustration, and, and your nation's frustration, then don't aspire for greatness. Hallelujah. Number three. The Bible tells us that Esther tells Mordecai, you go and fast three days, three nights, no food, no drink. And I and my maids, we are going to do likewise. Why is she doing that? That's exactly what David does in First Samuel chapter 30 and in verse 6. The Bible tells us, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Hallelujah. So we looked at those three lessons last week. Lesson number four. Let's read verse 7 to 8. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please, please bring the effort here to me. And Abiathar brought the effort to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Hallelujah. The fourth thing you have to do 
after you have cried. And I, I told you the reason why you have to cry. I said, if you don't do that, you're going to suffer some emotional, psychological breakdown. So you need to cry. You have to weep. Amen? And after you have worked, whether it's three days, make a decision to strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. And the reason why you are going before God is that you want to seek His guidance. Seek God's guidance and and ask the Lord, how do I deal with this setback? So you're not denying it. You're acknowledging it has happened and you say, Lord, we are no longer where we used to be. How do I deal with this setback? At that point, the reason why you are seeking God for guidance on how to deal with that setback is that you make a decision not to allow your emotions to lead you. That's why if you don't take that time to cry, by the time you go and seek God's guidance, you're going to bring the emotions along. Hallelujah. So don't pretend to be macho. Don't pretend to be Superman. Don't pretend to be Spider-Man. I told you last week, when you watch Superman for a long time, you begin to believe what Superman is saying. But that's the reason. You want to come before God. Your emotions are now clear. And you acknowledge life is no longer where it used to be. So God, I have come before you. How do I deal with this new reality? Hallelujah. And very likely, that's where Mrs. Job missed it. Very likely, that's where she missed it. Either she had not yet finished mourning, and she saw her husband suffering so much, no wonder she eventually had to tell him, curse God and die. But I'm telling you, don't curse God. Amen. Many times. Because these setbacks when they come. Funny enough, it's most of the time. Some of them we cause them ourselves. Some of them people cause them on us. And many times we think that just because we have been hurt. Then our case will be proven right. Just because your husband has hurt you. Just because your wife has hurt you. Just because your business associate has hurt you. Just because some political party has hurt you. Just because your name has been dragged in the mud. Sometimes we begin to think that because we've been hurt, then our case will be proven right and we will win. Sometimes in life, you can pursue a legitimate case and lose it. And that's life. Hallelujah. And that's why you don't have to fight in your own strength. Seek God's guidance. Because there are moments that God is going to tell you when you are asking him, should I fight? You say, go and fight. Will I win? He says, go, you will lose. And we're going to see that shortly. But what I'm saying is that there are certain losses in life. That you have to pursue to recover 
And there are also certain losses in life that you have to leave them and let them go. Hallelujah. Why do you have to do that? Because sometimes in working very hard to recover something that you have lost, you actually end up losing more. That's why I need to teach on how do you start again in life after this. Because sometimes you actually end up losing more. The little that you had, the little resources that remained, you use them to prove that after all you were right. I told you last week, there are certain moments in life that what you say is used against you. What you don't say is used against you. Keeping quiet is wrong. Talking is wrong. When you talk, they say you're trying to defend yourself. When you keep quiet, they say it's a sign of guilt because if you didn't do it, you could have spoken by now. And the only one who vindicates you is God. Unfortunately, understanding church, God most of the times will vindicate you when you have gone to glory. You may walk the rest of life with a label on your life that you did what you know you didn't do. That's life. I walk with a label in my life right now about something I didn't do, which somebody else decided. When we were in college, and, and it, has, it has walked with me for the rest of my life. But you know, the good thing it has made me, it has made me to be sober. Because I know there are people who are just waiting for that story. And funny enough, this dear brother in the Lord, he's a brother in the Lord, by the way, and I love him. This dear brother in the Lord started sending spies. And one day, one of the people, we started taking care of that person. They were sick for some time. We would go to the hospital, see them, bring them back. And, and take them to the hospital back, then they the hospital back, and they were in the hospital for some time. The day they were discharged, we took them in the car, drove them back to their house. When I'm about to leave the house, and the guy says, I need to talk to you about something. And I say, what? He says, do you know so-and-so? And he says, yes. I say, yes, I know him. He says, we are living together with him in Blanta. And when he knew we were coming to Lilongo, and we are going to be in the same church with you. This is what he told us. And you do not know. But for all these years. We have been following you. There are people who follow you for your good. And there are people who follow you. To find where to bring you down. But he says after being with you. Now I know. That what I said was not true. So whether you want it or not. That's life. Hallelujah church. So you have to get to that point because sometimes in trying to prove your name that you are right, you actually end up losing more. You need to get to the point and say, you know what, it's gone. That's the end of it. You close that chapter and move on. You don't always have to fight for everything. Hallelujah. Inquire of the Lord. Should I pursue? If he says pursue, then pursue. But then ask him another question. Will I recover? Hallelujah. You have, and the moment, the reason I'm saying it is that we have to learn as children of God to act on specific instruction from God. Hallelujah. 
Don't just rush doing things. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to read verse 1 to 13. They are busy running away from King Saul. Verse 1. Then, then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fight, fighting against Caleb, and they are robbing the threshing throws. So the Philistines were robbers. These guys were thieves. Verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Caleb. Verse 3. But David's men said to him, You remember last week I told you, you come to the point, one of the things that battles do, one of the things that setbacks do is that they wear you down. Amen? Verse 3. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. Number two. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David said the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an effort in his hand. That's the one that they are using in chapter 30. Verse 7. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war, to go down to Keilah, to beseech David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the effort here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. Verse 13. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. This is the reason why you have to inquire of the Lord. It's not every battle you have to fight. Hallelujah, church. Inquire of the Lord. And, and I love it when the Bible says, and they went wherever they could go. He saves them from the Philistines. They were robbing them. You know, sometimes the people you do them good are the very same people who betray you. That's why I said last week, by the time you die, most time in life, you are your only best friend. That's why you can't have three best friends in life. 
and you want to have five. I wish you well. It's hard. It's really hard. The very people you said, this one is my BFF. I love it when people put it on Facebook. Best friend forever. They are the very same ones who can sell your soul. The men of Gaila are delivered by David. And they have known peace because David put his line, his life on the line. And his men are saying, David, look here. We are already having here trouble in Judah. We are afraid here in Judah. And you are saying, Why should we go and fight a battle that is, doesn't concern us? And David says, I will inquire of the Lord. So he inquires of the Lord and the Lord says, go. That's the second time. They deliver Kayla. They are there. So says, ah. <laughs> it's so funny. That sometimes when things are happening in your life, you are suffering a setback. Others actually say, the Lord has answered my prayer. The Lord has answered my prayer. He is now in trouble. The Lord has answered my prayer. And that's exactly what Saul is saying. Says, ah, the Lord has delivered him into my hand. The situation you are going through right now, I want you to know, there are other people who are saying, ah, finally, there is a God in heaven. He rules and reigns in the affairs of the children of men. Now we shall see. They do not know what the Lord is up to. Hallelujah. But what I want to say is that there are certain people who live your life and all you have to do is to let them go. Sometimes it can be a wife. Sometimes it can be a husband. Sometimes it can be a fiancé. Sometimes it can be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Sometimes it can be a business partner. Sometimes it can be the best friend you trusted who heartlessly and cold-heartedly leave you. And you have to let them go. So there will be some times that God will say, pursue. Fight for your marriage. At that point, fight for your marriage. But there will also be times when God will say, don't. And when he says, don't, then don't. Because if you make a decision, this is what's going to happen. You're going to end up losing self-confidence. Because this is what people do. The person will insult you. They will humiliate you. And they will deepen your heart more and more and more and more. So unless the Lord says pursue, then pursue. But if the Lord keeps quiet, then sit down. That's why you have to know God for who? Yourself. That you should be able to know the one who has spoken to me is God. Because sometimes you want to ask me and say, Pastor, what is God saying about my life? Do you know what I'm going through? (laughs) And actually, the Bible says, love the Lord your God, number one, and then love your neighbor as you love who? Yourself. So who do you have to love first? Me. 
So I have to love me before I love you. And I will not love you before I love me. If you are expecting me to love you before I love me, you are wasting your time. I have to love me first. Because what I have is what I'm going to give you. If I can't give you what I don't have. So why do you want me to break scripture? Why? I beg you why. Amen. They will humiliate you. They will drag your name into Facebook and Twitter and, and, and newspapers. And, and, and you know what? you end up losing self-confidence. When you begin to walk, you walk as if you are naked. Sometimes, close the door. I'm not saying because you are having challenges in your marriage, then go and divorce your wife or go divorce your husband. That's not what I said. Go sort the issues out. But if somebody else cold-heartedly and heartlessly leaves you, they have left you, And you are trying everything you could to make amends. And all they are doing is humiliating you. Bringing your name in the mud. Insulting you more and more. It will not work. I was at box two. And there was was someone else. I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm telling you, I didn't do anything wrong. When we were at box two, there was a group of people that used to be called Ndipsi. Ndipsi were spies. So the school came up and said that I was Ndipsi. For one simple reason, I was ringing the bell. And the bell used, I used to sleep with it in my, in my dormitory. So people had concluded that a lot of people who ring the bell in box two at that time were Ndipsi. They were spies. You were the people who were picking stories from amongst the students and go and tell uh, the headmaster. At that time, it was Brother Doss. He's now gone to be with the Lord. And there's this dear brother. And every time I am walking to the, to the dining hall, I'm being inserted. I'm walking down to my dormitory, I'm being inserted. And funny enough, these guys were coming from well-to-do families. Now you know some of us, we grew up knowing there was lice for the head and lice for what? The clothes. The one for the head was black. The one for the clothes was white. That's where we came from. So number one, you are poor. I want you to understand. When we are going to secondary school, the only thing we can afford is roasted maize. Not even corn. Popcorn. Some of us knew popcorn after we got married. Or possibly which wins. That's where we knew popcorn. All we knew was that. And then you had the roasted maize and the, the, the granite. And you take it to secondary school with you. And these are guys that some, some of these guys, their brothers were working in the airlines. They would bring those uh, small Butter they put in a small container they use on the plane. They'll bring some small jam. Some of them would bring beef. Because those, some of these guys were coming from the army. In those days in the army, they would distribute beef. And these guys would bring beef. And, and we had never known before in our lives that meat can be put in a tin. And these guys are rich. And they say you are nipsy. You are a spy. 
And they are using all their arsenals to insult, to humiliate, to demean you. So one morning, I couldn't study. I was struggling to study, so I walked to this guy's room. He was sleeping. And I said, found him sleeping. So I woke him up. And he saw that it was me. He almost killed me. And I said, but you know what? I came to tell you that I didn't do anything. He said, get out! And he literally pushed me out. And my self-confidence went, I wanted to leave school. Now I'll tell you something. And you laugh at me now. Because today, I want to meet him. I really want to meet him. I've been looking and finding out where is he. I will drive there one day. Say, hi, brother. How are you doing now? No, I can't do that. I can't do that. Amen? So sometimes, just close the door. And one of the biggest problems we have in Malawi is land issues. You have land, you buy land, things are going on okay, and then you hear the land was sold to nine people. And the people who bought it, all of them are big, big, big people. We had land at GTP. We were out of the country. We bought the land. My roommate then in college goes, is sorting out things. The next thing he tells us is the land has been sold to six people. Some of them really powerful people then in Malawi. And he says, fight. And I said, no, I'm not going to fight. Let the land go. Land number one, gone. Then we had land in area 47. Land number two, gone. Then we had land number three in area 47. Land number three, gone. And somebody concluded one day, says, hey, McDuff, that is really losing. But all the lands, I just had to let them what? Go. Now, at that point, you have lost land. You know you have done everything you could do to get land, to build, and then your wife says, Now, you don't begin to say, Can't you see the way I'm suffering? Bear the burden of the frustration of your people. Hallelujah. Learn to back off. Otherwise, you may end up losing your life. Some of these situations is that people have sat down, connived that they're going to finish you off. But unless the Lord says, ah, finish him off, then you'll be finished. But if the Lord, as he spoke to Satan, you may touch him, but not his life. I can assure you, you'll not be finished. Isaiah 54, 15, I think, says, gathering they'll gather, but not because of me. Whosoever gathers against you shall fall for your sake. It's in the scripture. So what I'm saying is that being offended in life doesn't mean God is on your side. He may say pursue, and he may say what? Live it. Sometimes you fight for a long time. You waste your time. You waste your energy. You waste your resources. You get the victory, but the victory becomes meaningless. Because you know you lost everything. Pack your bags and go. Take your life back and move on. That's starting again next week. Not everything must be pursued. But when God says pursue, 
Then number five, step out by faith to pursue and recover your losses. When he says pursue. Amen? When he says what? Pursue. When you know you have heard him well, well, that he has said what? Pursue. When he says that, step out by faith. Verse 9. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bessel, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and the 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bessel. There are people who tell you, you know what? We are with you. Wherever you go, we are with you. Wherever you go, we are with you. You turn this way. By the time you turn around, they're gone. They say, should we only be hearing his stories? Should we only be hearing her stories? Doesn't she, does she think, does he think we also don't have problems? But Zana, they say they'll be with you. Forever. And you put them on Facebook, BFF. There's a brother. One time I asked him. He was a very good friend of mine. And I said, if I die, will you take care of my family? He says, yes, I will. If this happens to me, will you stand with me? Yes, I will. If this happens... But I really wanted him to make sure. I wanted him to convince me that if anything happens in my life, he will stand up for my kids. The next minute, I turned this way. By the time I turned, he was gone. He was gone. I tried. I tried to get the brother back into my life. I just ended up losing what? My self-confidence and my self-esteem. Now, let me tell you, there's nothing like whole, low self-esteem and high self-esteem. There isn't. The word self-esteem, when you go in the dictionary, is defined as high regard of self. So you cannot have high, high regard of self and low, high regard of self. You can't. It's either you have it or you don't have it. So at least you come to KICC, don't begin saying, I have low self-esteem. You don't have and, and, and And I lost my confidence. I will not go into greater details because some of you, you are too clever. You know the person. So I will, not, I will tell you. But there are people who say, I will stand with you. And they will, they will literally go like, uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'll stand with you. And if you want to know that I'll stand with you, give me your jacket and I'll give you my jacket. The next minute, they are gone. Amen? So when God gives you instruction, don't pray about the instruction. You act on that instruction by faith. Take the bold step and be courageous about it. That's why God told Joshua in Joshua 1.9, be strong and be what? Courageous. Why is he telling him to be strong? Because God knew there were things that are going to make him weak. Why did he tell him be courageous? Because God knew there were things that were going to make him what? Afraid. 
Amen. Verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. And brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they let him drink water. I'll talk about this as we, as we begin to wrap up. But you know, one of the things I've seen in my life that wins people over is love. But I'll talk about it later. And they gave him a piece of, a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drank water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherithites in the territory which belongs to Judah. And of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. Now imagine that now you have made the person who burned Ziklag with fire. Some of you, Pastor Sunga and I, we keep on saying we have two beautiful daughters. And how many things do we have, Pastor Sunga? Three. Number one, we have a gun, we have a shovel, and we have an alibi. You know what I mean? You touch my daughter. I'll kill you, I'll bury you myself, and I'll tell Pastor Sunga when they ask, where was he? He'll say, we were fasting for three days and nights. We were on top of Bunda Mountain. He is my alibi. I can't do that. But what I'm saying is that this young man tells David, we burned Ziklag with fire. Now remember about Ziklag. They had been building Ziklag for 16 months. This is the thing they said now. It seems like life is getting back to normal. And somebody comes in one single day. You meet her and she says, you go, you go to the hospital. You were visiting patients. And you meet the woman who took away your husband. And is mm, mm, on the bed. Some of us, we will look left We'll look right. Check where the nurse is. Is there any guardian around? We will take our hands and squeeze the neck. Some of us. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I'll take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man, and I'm thinking from the evening, twilight is when the sun is about to go. And they fought all night. Until evening of the next day. And you try to go into a battle like this with people who are already tired. You just end up losing people. Let's carry on. 
Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock. And David and said, this is David's spoil. But I want you to see that this thing happening is happening after David, by faith, acted on the instruction from God. And that's why when you pray and God gives you an instruction, don't begin to pray about the instruction. You act on it by faith. Take the bold step. Move on. We have to learn to be very particular on the instructions we receive from God and act on them. When you get an instruction from God, it does not mean that it's going to be easy. Because one of the things you meet is an Egyptian who tells you, we burned your house. We burned your house. I destroyed your marriage. I destroyed your business. I, I, I am the one who made you to be sacked from work. I am the one who came up with a plan for you to be taken to court. It's not easy. Taking a step, I can assure you, children of God, it's very, very risky. But you take it because God has said, take a step. So you take the step by faith. Hallelujah. The Bible says, David recovered what he had lost. And you know what the Bible tells us in the book of Joah? He will restore. The Bible says he will restore. He will restore the years. He doesn't say the days or the months. He says he will restore the years that the canker worm has eaten. The flying locust has eaten. The consuming locust has eaten. The crawling locust has eaten. And all this, he says he will restore. And the Bible says, and my people will not be put to shame. So it's a sign that you will not be put to shame. David fought. Regained what he had lost. But you know, the beauty of what happens after this story is that he acquired extra wealth. You will see it shortly. Sometimes you pursue and God gives you more than what you lost. I've seen people, after being humiliated by their ex-wife or ex-husband, by God's grace, they meet someone else and get married again. And they have Three times more joy, seven times more joy, nine times more joy. Don't say, hey, now because they did this to me, therefore I've closed my life with bagrabas of iron. I'll never, I'll never show any man that I've got teeth. Smile. The blessing of the Lord maketh one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. After you went through what you went through. Sometimes God allows you to go through that. Because he wants to give you something that you're going to say. Life is good. Amen. Sometimes he will give you three times joy. 
Three times peace. Three times happiness. Number six. Number verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also made to stay at the brook vessel. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And David came, and when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked, I love it, then all the wicked and worthless men, or those who went with David, answered, ah, so, <laughs> so wicked. The wicked and worthless men went with David to go and fight. Wicked. Worthless. Went with David to go and fight. And their true character showed up now. This is what they say. And they said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. Except for every man's wife and children. That they may lead them away and depart. Only 400 of us are going to remain. We went for fight. They didn't come for fight. Now they want to begin to enjoy the spoil. Over my dead body. Let them leave. Verse 23. And David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who has preserved us and delivered us into our hand. The troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to, bat, to the battle, so shall, be, shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statue, a law, and an ordinance for Israel to this day. So what do you have to do number six? They said they will be with you. They will stand with you. Or they decided they are very tired. They can't continue fighting with you. When God has given you the victory. When God has given you the success. Share the rewards of that victory. Share the rewards of that success. With people. Including those who were against you. Before you became successful in life. Share the rewards. Including those. Church, what did I say? Including those who were against you before you became successful in life. They caused you torture. Share the rewards. I knew the amen would be three people. Because you are saying, Pastor, you don't know. I know. That's why I'm trying to give you some sto small stories. Share the rewards. Share the rewards. I've done it in my life. You remember one day I challenged you here in church. I said, you, you work with somebody. And that person is causing your life to become hell. Go check their birthday. Bake them a birthday cake. 
God deliver the birthday cake. They may actually think Mwaikamo Mangwala. Because that's their nature. They may think you're putting juju. Because that's their nature. Get them a birthday cake. Get them a birthday card. I did it once. This, this man really made my life. Hey! That's how I can explain it. The next thing I hear, the guy has been attacked by armed robbers. I went to the hospital. I didn't buy juice on that day. I came in. Found his wife. And the wife was shocked that I had come. Said, I heard that your husband has been attacked by armed robbers. I came to pray with him. So I prayed. I cried to God. Not that God should preserve him life, his life, so that when God has blessed me, he should see. That was in the attitude. I cried to God and God delivered him from death. I asked his wife, I said, do you have any resources? What is your greatest need right now? They had no money. I had some money in my pocket. I will not tell you how much. I took the money. I gave his wife. And they couldn't believe. So when, I, when we are teaching some things, we are not teaching them because they sound nice. But you need to do that. Hallelujah. Yes, when, when you are a leader, you bear the blame, you take the responsibility. But the true sign of leadership is when as a leader, you share the rewards. That is the true sign of leadership. I will digress a little bit. And I didn't want to go that path. And I'm not speaking because I am somewhere today. No, that's not the reason. You have already known where I'm going. But you know, my heart bleeds. When a nation decides that because they were not part of us, you should now punish them. You should now punish them. It's unchristian. And if you are some believers in KICC and you are the ones who are championing the cause of revenge, may God have mercy on you. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Even if you saw them wearing, you can finish. You don't do that as a believer. You don't. I'm speaking in parables, but you hear what I'm saying. You don't. It's unchristian. It's unbiblical. It's not in the Bible. You share the rewards. Because even some of the people who are saying it's our time to share are the very same ones who are going to cause you harm. Even those tired, even those afraid to fight, and possibly the ones who were most vocal in the plan to stone David. David decides. David chooses to share the rewards with them. Many people, when God blesses them, that's when they begin to think of whom to punish. That's when they begin to think who deserves what and who doesn't deserve what. 
And that's how most people miss God. That's how most people miss God. I know it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy. But you know what? Choose to obey God. Share the rewards of your success. Share the rewards. Somebody called me. Pastor McDuff, can I see you? I said, yeah, sure. And I knew if this person comes to see me, my name will be dragged. But I didn't care. I had to meet the person. Because the person wanted to see me. And you meet people. Not all of us can belong to one club. There are other people who go to another church that you don't talk to. Because they left KICC. You don't do that. You share the rewards. Hallelujah. Finally, number seven. Verse 26. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah to his friends, saying, Here's a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jatir, those who were in Aror, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoa, those who were in Raqqa, those who were in the cities of the Jeramelites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Homa, those who were in Chorashan, those who were in Atach, those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. Now, I, I was like, why give us names that are even hard to pronounce? But I'll tell you the reason why, which I discovered. David is doing something else, which if you don't pick anything, and the day comes you have recovered from your setback. The day of victory comes. David sends gifts to 13 cities. And the 14th one, the Bible tells us, were places where David and his men used to go and take refuge when they were in trouble. David remembers them. And he sends gifts to thank them for protecting him in the past when he was in trouble. I, I, want, I want you to get it. But also, I believe, this is me speaking, because of what I'm going to show you shortly. But I also, David, I think, knows my time to become a king is around the corner. And I will need the support of these people. Because of what happens in First Samuel chapter 31, which is the battle that Akish 
And the lords of the Philistines went to fight against Israel. When you come in 1 Samuel chapter 31, that's when Saul is killed in battle. And you know exactly who's going to be king next. David. So David is sending this gift to them. David, Saul dies on Mount Gilboa. And why is David sending the gift? David is sending the gift to secure the loyalty of his allies through his generosity. You can't be a believer and be kangandiwamba. Be generous. Be generous. I know your wife will say, because most of the times, the ones who stop us being generous are our wives. Let me speak for the men today. Let me speak for the men. The ones who stop us from being generous, most of the time is our wives. Now, let me tell you something. Some of the things we may have made them together when we met, but you don't know where we came from. We may have told you the story in passing, but some of the pain we went through, we don't disclose. Because we know you may end up hating them. It's to preserve your sanity. That sometimes we don't disclose some of these things. And, and then you are trying to be generous. And then the wife says, we are already suffering. Why, why do you like just giving things to people? You want to be seen nice. No. We are remembering where we came from, but we also want to secure their loyalty through our generosity because we know what is coming ahead. But also some men are like that. Soon after Saul has died, these are the people who made David king of Judah? Let's go to Second Samuel chapter two, verse one to four. Second Samuel chapter two, verse one to four. It happened after this, after Saul has died, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, "Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? Shall I go up?" And the Lord said to him, "Go up." And David said. Where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. If you check First Samuel chapter 30 and you go into verse 30, 31, the Bible says part of the gifts, part of the presents, he sent them to where? Hebron. And the Lord says go where? To Hebron. So David comes to Hebron. Let's carry on. So David went up there. And his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail the widow of Nabah the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Verse 4. Then the men of Judah came, and they, uh, they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Amen? The Bible says they, he, came to, he comes to Hebron, they anoint him. He rules in Judah for seven and a half years as king of Judah. 
When you come to 2 Samuel chapter 5, that's where now he is anointed as the king of the whole of Israel. So let me say a few things and then I close the service. When God wants to elevate you, and I want you to hear me, K-I-C-C. When God wants to elevate you, there must be people, there must be elders to elevate you. Hallelujah. A king does not crown himself. And I will give you a very good example. You need people to crown you. Even if you did the campaign yourself. You need people to crown you. You need support. Hallelujah. The gesture that David does to the elders of the towns and the cities mentioned here made the people in these cities see David as a person worthy to be promoted to be the next king of Israel. That gesture. And I want you to know, in every situation, there are kingmakers. In every situation. Even in your workplace, there are kingmakers. Even here, there are kingmakers. No matter how powerful, no matter how intelligent, no matter how smart, no matter how knowledgeable you may be in life, you cannot crown yourself. And the church says, Amen. You can't. So if you make it a habit, in your time of sorrow and trouble, to offend, to despise, to avoid kingmakers, to show that you are ungrateful, something will happen. Your throne will be ready for you and you'll be standing by the throne, but there will be nobody to put you on the throne. Your throne will be ready. And you will be standing by the throne. But there will be nobody to put you on the throne because coming to the throne, always, always, somebody has to put you on the throne. Hallelujah. And this must be a person that you have not offended. It shouldn't. It has to be somebody else that you rewarded for their goodness towards you. And that's exactly what David does. So when his time had come, he knew when my time has come, these are the people to put me on the throne. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus comes. You hear no advert on the radio. He has been... There's no one announcing him that he is the king of the Jews. None. He waits for 30 years. And the Bible says one day Jesus went to the river Jordan. And John was baptizing. Now let me tell you something about John. John had more popularity than Jesus. Because people thought he was the Jesus. He was more popular than Jesus. And Jesus comes there. And it is John who announces to the people, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now imagine if Jesus had offended John. 
Imagine if Jesus had despised John. Imagine if Jesus had inserted John. And you make it a habit to insert. The time for you to be put on the throne would have come. You will be standing by the throne. And there will be nobody to put you on the throne. The son of God needed somebody to put him on his throne. He knew this is my throne. David knew in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that he's going to be king of Israel. Samuel anointed him in front of his brothers and his father. But somebody had to put him on the throne. And when you come to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and 1 Samuel, and 2 Samuel uh, uh, chapter 2, funny enough, it was not Samuel who put him on the throne. Never ever think that because somebody spoke into your life that you'll be great someday. That is the person to make you great. It may be somebody that you don't know. You need somebody to put you where? On the throne. You need somebody to lift you up. Paul needed Barnabas. You know, you know after Paul has killed them all, now he says, I am now born again. Who is going to believe you, Paul? You were killing us yesterday. He needed a Barnabas. When Barnabas said he is one of us, the people believed him. So if you insult, you neglect, you reject, you mistreat your kingmakers, your throne will be ready for you and you will not sit on it. I'm not cursing you. I'm just telling you the truth. Don't create enemies you shouldn't create when you're going through rough times. Don't create enemies you shouldn't create when you're going through the wilderness. Don't create enemies you shouldn't create when things are rough and people are rough on you. Somebody has to swear you into office. We have a new president in Malaya after June 23 elections. Who swore him into office? Did, did he say, hey, I, I went to campaign. You didn't go with us where we went. So now the throne is mine. It's happening now in America. Somebody is refusing to go. He will go. He will go. He's refusing to concede. That guy there declaring that he has won. I can assure you. The people who are going to tell him now. Swear the oath of allegiance. Are the people who didn't go to campaign with him. Go ask Joe Biden. Most of the times. That's what happens in life. Somebody swears you in life. And I want you to understand this. You need elders to put you on the throne. Don't offend your kingmakers. Don't annoy your kingmakers. Don't neglect your kingmakers. Don't insult your kingmakers. Because you need them when the time for your throne has come. Sometimes in this world, it takes only one person to pick up a phone. And make a call for you. And your struggle is over. You walk into somebody's office. They just pick a phone. Make a call. When yesterday you were saying, my life is gone. I don't know what we're going to do. Everything is gone. And you walk in somebody's office. I'm telling you, when God wants to bless, he doesn't use angels. They don't come down flying. He uses people. And most of the times are the people you met 
on the journey of life. And you have a habit of inserting, neglecting, humiliating, offending, annoying. You need them when the time for the throne has come. And this person makes a call and says, you know what? I know him. I know her. You can trust him. You can trust her. She is dependable. He is dependable. He is loyal. He is faithful. Now, let me say something. And another point is done. When Paul was giving Timothy instruction, this is what he said. He says, when you want to choose leaders, choose the ones that are able and are loyal. Now, I'll tell you something in church, and then I'll tell you my last sentence. Most of the times, people who are faithful and loyal, most of the times, are people who are not able. There are the people who say, I need somebody to go to Chirinde. They'll say, Pastor, I'm ready to go. But give me transport money. They are ready to go. It's true, they are ready to go, but they don't have what? Transport money to go there. Are, are you getting it? They don't have. Or they'll say, Pastor, Pastor, I'm ready to do it, but take me there. Pastor, I'm ready to do this, but, but I don't have transport money. Pastor, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. They are able, they are, they are faithful, they are loyal, but they are not able. Most of the times, the people who are able in a church are not loyal. And they are not faithful. They are not. They are able, but they are not loyal. They are not faithful. You tell them, I needed you to do this, and they say, Pastor, no. I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you something, very simple. I'm not campaigning for my wife, and I, and I thank God that my wife runs the children's church. But, you, but most of you don't know what my wife does, off camera. She comes here to prepare this church every Saturday for you to sit where you're sitting. She comes and prepares the church every Saturday. Saturday we know we have lost our church, so she's here. She prepares it. After the prayers, she will prepare this place and make sure it's ready for Sunday service. On Sundays, she leaves home at 5 a.m. Some of you who have come to church early, you have met her wearing a blue overall. She'll make sure everything is in place. Then she drives back home, baths, and comes to church. And when she comes to church, she says, because people have refused to handle the children's church. Honey, I will run the children's church. So you never see my wife in church. She runs the children's church because some of you who are able but not loyal, you have refused. And I'm not campaigning for her. But I just want you to know. And yet when you are sick, then you say, doctor, I'm not inciting you. You know I'm saying the truth. Most people who are able are not loyal. They are not faithful. And Paul tells Timothy, choose people who are able and Loyal. And I'll tell you, they are very difficult to find. Even after I've said what I've said, next Saturday, none of you will come to prepare the church. 
and you insert you say in case wa kemwe hasipito ka konza so let me finish why do you think people have called other people they call referees for a cv most of the times it's somebody who knew in the past and can vouch for you today my only advice is don't kill your elders don't kill your kingmakers don't kill the people who tomorrow you will need to say a word on your behalf and your struggle is over hallelujah because when your throne is ready nobody will be there to elevate you and david understood these seven things and that's why i said your attitude when you're going through these things it reveals your true character next week how then do you start again let's pray father in jesus name we want to thank we want to bless you we want to lift up your holy name we want to declare that you are god and we praise you father because we will face setbacks in life and you have clearly told us that we are not immune from trouble but you have told us don't pretend to be immune don't act as if nothing is happening don't act as if nothing is affecting you bear the burden of the people's frustrations strengthen yourself in the lord your god seek his guidance on how to deal with that setback and god you said let's step out in faith by faith and pursue and recover and when you blessed us you've told us re- share the rewards of success even including with those who were against us before we were successful in life and you've told us secure the loyalty of your allies through generosity teach us to have this kind of a heart and an attitude we give you glory we give you praise we worship you in jesus name you may be in church this morning every eye closed the times are hard it's been setback after setback i may not pray for everybody time is up but i just want you to lift up your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender and i want to pray for you you're saying lord i'm going through times father in the mighty name of jesus christ your sons your daughters some of them are going through setbacks in business setback in their health life setback in their finances setback in their career setback in their marriage setback 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 but they have heard this word I want to pray in Jesus name that Lord minister to your people glorify yourself in the lives of your people 
mean for them, O Lord. If heaven is discussing of blessing somebody today, bless these ones. Make a way for them. Lift them up from the dungeon. Bless their lives. Come through for them, O God. We pray, let a man, let a woman speak on their behalf. And let the doors be open. And let their life turn around. Let them give glory to God. And say, the Lord has been good to me. I never thought I would smile again in life. Give them three times joy, seven times joy, seven times happiness, a thousand fold of peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, glorify yourself, God. We rebuke every act of the enemy against their lives. Your word says, gathering, they will gather, but not because of you. And you say, whosoever gathers against you shall fall for your sake. Lord, I pray those who have dug a pit for them, let them fall into the pit themselves. Those who have set a net for them, let them fall into the net themselves. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Make a way for your people. They can't stay in the wilderness forever. As long as David didn't stay in the wilderness forever, they will not stay in the wilderness forever. The sound of joy the song of rejoicing will once again be heard from their house. It will once again be sung from their mouth. And they will declare, For the Lord is good. For for the Lord is good. Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. For the Lord is good. 